Welcome to No More Mondays, the podcast that helps you navigate career challenges through the wisdom of professionals who have been at the same crossroads. I'm your host, Angie Callen, and I welcome you to join me each week as I chat with leaders, entrepreneurs, and employees who are here to share their practical, tactical advice and some inspiration on how they arrived at career and life satisfaction. From job searching and career changes to going out on your own, we are breaking down barriers and providing actionable takeaways to help you take charge of your Mondays and ditch those Sunday blues. Welcome to No More Mondays. Hello, everybody, and welcome to No More Mondays. I am your very excited host, Angie Callen, because today is a big day around here. This is our 100th episode of No More Mondays. I am so excited this podcast has made it this far, and we've lined up a really special guest for y'all, so get ready. We are celebrating 100 in style as we usher in a whole new season of No More Mondays with bigger guests and bigger impact, and it all kicks off right now as we welcome Marcus Sheridan to the show. He's a New York Times bestseller, web marketing guru, and quite literally the owner of Impact, one of the most successful digital sales and marketing agencies in the country. We have hit the big time, everybody, and this fangirl is particularly excited because his book, They Ask, You Answer, is not only one of the five best-selling books of all time, According to Book Authority, it is also one of my five cornerstone reads for my business. He may be the most strategic pool guy on the planet, and he's here to teach us his ways. So I hope you will help me welcome to the show, Marcus Sheridan. Marcus, welcome to No More Mondays. Tell you, that was a pretty good intro there, Angie. I'm going to bring you on the road with me. That's good stuff. Uh Be careful what you wish for. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm very excited, as I told you before we started recording, that you kind of just fell through the cracks right in time to be number 100. So I hope you're ready to live up to the hype. All right, let's do it. All right. So I want us to start with some backstory, because if you've read They Ask, You Answer, you know some of what you're about to tell us at a high level, but I think it'll be great to kind of fill everybody in a little bit about you and how you even came into this world of, you know, digital sales and marketing guru-dom. Well, I started uh, with two friends, a swimming pool company in 2001. I was right out of college and, uh, you know, we were fighting to to grow the business and to survive like everybody does with a business. But then come 2008, the market collapsed, as people remember. That was the last collapse. And that was really, really rough time for pool companies. In fact, something like 40, 50% of the pool companies in the U.S. went out of business during that time. So it was really, really difficult. And... The cool thing, though, about pain and suffering, Angie, is it forces us to do things that we have known for a while that we should have been doing. We just we just hadn't. Right. And so it was during this time that I really started to lean into the Internet and read all these fancy phrases online like inbound marketing or content marketing or social media. You know, that stuff that we've all now become very familiar with. And what I heard in my simple pool guy mind was, you know, Marcus, if you just obsess over your customers questions and you're willing to address them on your website, you can save your business. So I said, well, shoot, there's one thing I can do is I can, I can hear their questions. I mean, I've been selling in their, in the home now for 10 years, pools, right? Just about. And uh, I can address those on our website through text, through video. And so that's what we did. And to make a long story short, over the next two years, I produced one article or one video a day, almost that went onto the website. We became the most trafficked swimming pool website in the world we exploded. We became a manufacturer as well. We became the first franchise of fiberglass pools in the U.S. And I started to write about what I was doing. And that led to becoming a full-time professional speaker 
and the agency, which you mentioned, which is Impact. And so today, the book, They Ask You Answer, which came from all this, has been read by hundreds of thousands. It's really, really cool. It's been translated in lots of languages. And I just get to go around the world and help companies become what is now the most trusted voice in their space. It's a good time, Angie. It is a good, that actually sounds like a good time. And so it's it's funny as far as the book goes. Um, this is, I have, and, and I, I should have reminded myself what this word is, but there is a Japanese term for people who like to collect books and don't read them. And I am <laughs> one of them. And this is a book that was, you know, I collected because it pops up in my Amazon suggestions and I picked it up and it's been on my shelf for a while. And I, I find that when you are a said hoarder of books and doesn't don't read them, they pop out at you at the time you're meant to read them. And it was funny because as I was going through the book, I found that things started clicking that I'm like, oh, we've been accidentally doing some of this for career benders. And I didn't I didn't even realize it because, for instance, we have this one particular Keystone article that is the number one lead generation source through Google to the site. And I'm like, why does this work so well? And here we accidentally were answering a question people continue to ask about their career. So go a little like one step further into the framework the book actually offers, because I know there's some entrepreneurs out there who are like, you know, curiosity is peaked. Yeah. So so essentially, the Ask You Answer starts with an obsession with the way buyers think what they're asking, what they're searching, but also what they're fearing, uh, what's worrying them, and then the willingness to address those things on your site through text, through video. And what we know is there's basically five major subjects that serious buyers always research in pretty much every single industry before they reach out to a company. They want to know how much is it, so cost questions. They want to know what are the problems or the negatives or the issues with it, so how could this go wrong? How could this blow up in my face? So we'll call that problems. They want to know comparison-based questions. They love to compare. You and I love to compare stuff online to make sure we're getting the best value, the best deal, whatever. And number four, reviews. We're obsessed with reviews, but we don't want to just know who it's for. We want to know who it's not for. We want to know the good, the bad, and the ugly. And finally, number five, best. We love to search for things like best, most, top, right? So to review, cost, problems, comparisons, reviews, best. Those are what's known in the book as the big five. They run, in many ways, the economy of search. And most companies don't like to talk about these five subjects on their website. And so that's where this paradox of wants comes in because the consumer, the buyer, they want this information most businesses aren't willing to give them this information. And just to give you an example of this, over 90% of service-based businesses still don't talk about cost and price on their website. And it's 2023, hello? So the idea that you, because, you know, it's funny. Everybody says, I want to be trusted in my space. I want to earn that trust when they're on my website, when they're vetting me online to death, and I don't even know them, but they're getting to know me. We say these things, but yet our actions don't indicate the desire. And I think a lot of that is based in fear. And it's this, and and I, I want to, and as I warned you ahead of time, I want to talk more about you and your journey because I could go down this like content solution selling rabbit hole all day. But what I will say <laughs> is, I think a lot of that is rooted in fear for the entrepreneur, right? They're afraid of like being too transparent. And I remember when I wrote, I read the cost part of this book, I was like, hallelujah, praise the Lord, because I'm a huge fan of price transparency on websites. Because if I go to somebody's website, especially service-based, where there's a huge range of pricing that could exist, and I don't see a number, I immediately go up, they're too expensive for me. 
And then on the flip side, as an entrepreneur, I like, while it seems cold, I want to have some level of qualified buyer coming my way. So I'm not wasting too much time in sales processes with, with, with buyers who don't, you know, don't align with the price points. And so there's a huge amount of gain that you can, you can get from this, but you just have to overcome the fear of being that upfront about it. Well, you know, the, the thing about it is people think, well, if I do pricing on my website, it means I have to put my exact pricing. It doesn't necessarily mean that. What you have to do is you have to teach people how to make buying decisions in your industry, in the marketplace that you're a part of. And so mainly what you should focus on is what drives cost up for that service or product that you offer in your space, in your industry. What drives cost down? Why are some companies expensive? Why are some companies cheap? Now, those four subject areas, they define value in the marketplace for that particular thing that you sell as a company. And so once you've done that, then you can explain where you fall, right? If you do all those things, now you become that trusted voice. You're probably the first company that's really taught them about value in the marketplace. So even if you're e-commerce, people tell me all the time, like, oh, I'm doing the cost and price on my website, Marcus. I got an e-commerce business. And I look, I'm like, okay, you got an e-commerce page with a price on it, but you haven't really explained the industry at all. So because of that, that actually can commoditize a product. And so what you want to do is you want to explain it very clearly what defines value. Now we're cooking with gas, and now we're separating ourselves from really everyone else in our space that's probably not doing it. Yep. And don't be afraid to be the thought leader. When I have people who you know come to me for career coaching or resume writing or even you know, kind of business coaching, sometimes they have never even worked with a coach at all. And so I find myself just being a resource and educating them in how these kinds of engagements work from a very, you know, high level. And it builds trust because you have given them information and are supporting them almost regardless of if they buy for you, which usually makes them buy from you. Yeah. You know, you bring up a good point. I mean, you just take the coaching industry in and of itself, right? It's like someone say, how would you do a cost article about that, Marcus, because you're like saying, I got to do my rates. I'm not even saying you have to do your rates. So if you take the coaching industry, there's different types of coaches. You'd explain that in a cost article. You explain the different tiers potentially of the coaching industry, because in most industries, regardless of what it is, there's just usually four tiers. There's the low, the medium, the high, and the ultra high. And if you understand that, like Tony Robbins is a is a business coach, but he charges you know, $100,000 or whatever an hour, right? I mean, literally, I mean, it's a stupid money. So that's the type of, that's the type of coaching he gives. And then there's normal people. The point is by explaining that to the rest of the world, they're like, oh, okay, now I get it. Now I understand. I, I, I can actually use these parameters to help me make a buying decision. How is that scary? What's more scary to me is the idea that I would not talk about this and that people would come to my site, they wouldn't get what they want because they're like Angie and they leave and I would never know they existed. And if any of us that are listening to this right now had any idea how many people had left our site because they couldn't get the information they were looking for, we would literally throw up in our mouths like as we're talking. It's that, it's that strong of an impact on our business, our livelihood, our financial peace. And final point I make about this is I don't know about you, but I'm not interested in my potential customers learning everything from my competitors. If they're going to learn it, I want them to learn it from me. Like how hard is that? (laughs) And now you all know why I have never ending opinions about everything. 
<laughs> it's for this reason, right? You want to kind of be the authority. And I have a feeling we're going to circle circle back to all of all of this because I, I love to talk about like business strategy. It gets me super, super fired up. But I do want to get into a little bit of your story because, as you said, you're a simple pool man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is not yeah. the most glamorous wor- job in the world, no offense, but it ended up providing this really incredible opportunity for you and you took advantage of it. And I, I kind of want to talk about how that looked and how that felt for you. So tell me a little bit about you in this, mm. you know, your your emotional journey and and career progression that came up through this very kind of organic situation. Well, you know, it's funny. If you read the book, one of the first lines of the book is nobody ever says they want to be a pool guy when they grow up, right? Or gal, right? So it's, people don't generally ever say this. I certainly didn't say it. I, f- I fell into it. When I had uh, finished uh, college, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. Like I had a couple leads and my two buddies had just started this company and they said, hey, do you want to be, you know, do you want to work with us? And I said, well, I think I probably could until I figure out what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. And then six months into it, they said, hey, did you did you want to become a partner? Now, what's interesting about this, and I said, I said yes. I, you know, I felt like it was the right thing, like that was what I was supposed to do at that time. Now, a couple things about this that are interesting, Angie. One is I can remember um, shortly after that, some family member comes up to me at an event and says, hey, Marcus, I heard you're going to be a pool guy. And I said, yeah. They said, what a waste. Literally, that's what they said, what a waste. This is like the classic case of there's this perception in the world of what defines high value versus low value professions. And it's actually pretty tragic. It's one of the reasons why we have so many issues with blue collar jobs today, because, you know, every plumber on every movie that Hollywood has ever created looks like he's a dope, you know, can't pull his pants up, you know, is dirty. And it's sad, right? And so there's this perception in the marketplace. And uh, blue collar is a, is a beautiful thing. It's an amazing thing. And uh, it makes the world go around. And in fact, there's going to be an explosion of blue collar demand uh, because, uh, well, for a variety of reasons, but AI is not going to be doing your blue collar work. I can tell you that right now. And um, there's just so much to that subject itself. And so I learned early on that People's perception doesn't really mean jack squat in terms of your profession because uh, it ended up becoming a thing where people all over the world will come up to me and they'll say, you're the pool guy, right? Now, think about if I had said, geez, it's kind of embarrassing being a pool guy. I just, you know, maybe I'm going to choose a different path. I'm going to go be an engineer. How, how, How much of a tragedy would that have been, right? So the pool guy story is so relatable, and that's the second part to this, because I have told this story now, of course, so many times, and people are like, pool, like pool, you did this a pool company? Everybody gets that. Like everybody, everybody can say it's it's just a pool company, right? And so if if what's happening in their mind are like, well, if a pool guy can do it with a pool company, why can't I do that with my business? And there's power in that, in the relatability of of the story. And, you know, I knew from an early age in life, actually, that I wanted to be a professional speaker. The issue, though, is 
you can't just graduate college, at least, you know, 9,999 times out of 1,000, graduate college, want to be a professional speaker and become a professional speaker. You got to have a story. And I didn't realize at the time, because I put that goal, that vision on the back burner, that the story became the catalyst for my career as a professional speaker. Without the pool guy, I don't get to travel the world like I did and have. And if you had forced that, there's somebody, I'm like giddy over here. If you had forced that by trying to curate some story or platform for public speaking, maybe, maybe it would have worked, but it wouldn't resonate on the level that this very authentic experience and very organic trajectory did. And one of the reasons I wanted to bring it up is, uh, you know, not to harp on young people today, but they oftentimes have unrealistic expectations of where their career is going to going to start. And I'm the one that oftentimes has to be the voice of reason to say, you don't need the sexiest job in the world. You just have to find uh, a way to start. And that and 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 that's where you come in. And that that pool piece is so relatable for people to say, OK, that wasn't the sexiest job in the world, but it was exactly where you were supposed to be. And and you defined and you you just embraced it. Uh, ironically, that article that I mentioned that is our number one lead funnel <laughs> through Google is about defining career growth for yourself, because mm. we we tend to lean too heavily on what society tells us that we should be or shouldn't yeah. shouldn't want to be. And so you you really hit the nail on the head, even down to the fact that I'm a former engineer and look how that worked out. <laughs> right. So. right, right. And it doesn't mean that what you learned previously was a waste. It was just part of your journey and there's seasons of life. You know, there's a quote that that I think is so profound to me. Uh, and it, I've just seen it ring true time and time again. And that is we often Here's the quote. We often overestimate what we can do in a year and underestimate what we can do in 10. And, you know, what happens is oftentimes each year we'll set all these goals. And I don't know about you, but it's pretty easy to miss on some of those goals and beat ourselves up or whatever. And But if, you, if you're willing to allow life's journey and seasons to take their effect, it's, it's quite magical. I mean, I can remember, you know, by the, by the year, um, 2000 and it was, was, let me see, 2011, I had, uh, never made more than a hundred thousand dollars a year, even having owned my business by that point, but for 10 years, um, I still had debts. Um, we were coming out of it, but it was just, you know, it was still, you know, still getting over all these issues. So that was 2011. By 2021, I was a millionaire, you know, was, and, you know, the, the, the company was just like, in many ways, on top of the world. And by 20, 2021, I'd sold the company, at least part of it. I still own the original install company, but the manufacturing company I'd sold, the franchise company I'd sold. And so over the course of, you know, 10 years, you go from one place to the other, you know, in 2010, most of the world didn't really know who I was. You know, uh, today, hundreds of thousands around the world know who I am because of the book. And they're using this framework that a pool company used. I mean, it's just really, really wild how it can all happen. But I think there's this great impatience that occurs. You know, somebody finds a job and they're like, I'm just not totally fulfilled here. <laughs> what 
talk. You haven't even. It's like the problem that a lot of people have is that they keep taking themselves to their next job. And because of that, they keep finding the same problems. And so it's like you can find incredible joy in most lines of work. It really is a matter of perspective. So I didn't grow up saying I wanted to be a pool guy. And the idea of a swimming pool company isn't sexy to me personally. But what's really sexy to me is growing businesses and having like these challenges like that. That's really, really cool. So it's like I did that with the pool company and I've done that with other companies. And I'll continue to do that the rest of my life because I know that's like it's what drives me is new projects and, you know, see if I can conquer these new hills. And so it's it's not the stupid name of the profession, y'all. Like get that out of here. It's like forget the stupid titles and all that stuff. It's like when I see people that are creating these exceptional lives – and they're like cleaning septic systems, right? Or they've, you know, they've got this other niche and it could be B2B, it could be B2B. It doesn't matter to me. But just like they see the big picture and they're not, you know, caught up. You know, if you're at a company for a week and you're like, yeah, I'm just not sure if I'm fulfilled. I'm not sure if this is going to like, if, if this is going to allow me to to live my mission in life. It's like, what the, what the heck is wrong with you? You have no idea yet. You, should, you don't know. So allow the thing to teach you and the the what happens is the path starts to unfold it's a really beautiful thing if you just have a little bit of that patience is a word i have to use a lot both with job searching and that that exact thing 6 weeks into a job somebody's like i don't know if this is a fit and i'm like too soon to know and you just took me exactly where i wanted to go because one of the things that i love about your professional journey and how you speak about it is that you basically found your sweet spot when like while you were in it. It wasn't like I'm going to go be a pool guy so that I can go be, you know, I can do all these things and have a franchise and sell it off and go travel the world. That unfolded right in front of your eyes. And so I would love for you to give everybody out there a piece of advice on like how do we lean into that? How do we learn from that? And how do we tune into those kinds of like organic or unexpected opportunities that may be unfolding right in front of our eyes. But if you got tunnel vision, you're not going to see them. So yeah, like what kind of advice do you have for people to do exactly what you were just saying? You know, it's really funny. They've done these, these studies now and they find the more someone is obsessed with finding happiness, the harder it is to find happiness. Why is that, right? I mean, there's a bunch of reasons why, but it, it becomes this thing where it's like there's this idea that's called happiness or fulfillment or joy. And this applies to a lot of facets of our life. It could be personal, it could be professional, you know, whatever. And what they're not able to do is be in the moment and just like look around and say, holy, holy cow, like learning all these things. I like look at these skills that I'm I'm picking up on and and you know look what I look what I learned today and what are the patterns that I'm noticing. Right? It's like, you know, for me, those first ten years there's a lot of pain. I mean, there's a lot of pain in business that I had. You know, I had embezzlements because I just trusted everybody, like a lot of people do. You know, I trusted everybody and so I had to deal with that and um, you know, I had to to deal with just tremendous amounts of debt and, you know, begging my parents for, at times for, or 
or other, you know, my business partner's parents at times for uh, a loan so that we can make payroll. I mean, it's just like, we just like all these things happened, but those things really change you. They, 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 they make you, and there's so much value in that experience. It's not supposed to be easy all the time. Like this whole thing's like, you don't, you don't want to sign up for easy. Then you get fat and lazy and you don't, you don't really discover who you are. If your job isn't challenging, if it's not pushing you, well, then you're definitely never going to come close to reaching that innate potential that you have. And so if you're looking, it's like another thing is like, people say, I'm looking for like this perfect balance. Like, what the hell is that? It's like, I'm looking for this perfect balance. The problem is your definition, Angie, like of balance is completely different than my definition of balance, right? And I'm the type of guy that I go on work trips and I take my kids all the time. People say, don't mix work and pleasure. I'm like, screw that. I mix work and pleasure all the time. My kids have traveled the world with me. And because of that, we've got these incredible experiences with each other, right? So I just I just think that you know this this idea of you have to be on a quest to find yourself. No, 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 no. You got to be engaged in a worthy cause. But that worthy cause could be digging a, a, you know a ditch outside right now. Like literally that can be a worthy cause. A worthy cause is is ends up being defined in how you you approach it and your your decision like I'm going to decide to love this thing. I'm going to decide to enjoy this thing. I'm going to I'm going to dive into this thing. I'm going to learn everything. You know, even though I didn't think I was going to be a pool guy for the rest of my life, I can remember my two business partners that invited me in, they had me working in the retail store and I was selling hot tubs. I had never really sold and I didn't know jack squat about hot tubs. And um, they were out working in the field installing swim pools. And so I had a person walk in one time. This is right like couple weeks into the business. This dude walks in. He was the second. He had been a hot tub owner before. He starts asking me questions about hot tubs. And immediately, I didn't have the answers. And dude could tell I didn't have the answers. And he eventually says, like, why are you even doing this if you can't even answer my questions? And he just bludgeoned me at that point. Like, he was, instead of just rolling his eyes, he's like, this guy sucks at his job. I'm going to make sure he knows it. Right. And so he just bludgeons me. I'm telling you what, getting my teeth kicked in that day was so healthy because after that day, guess what happened? I said to myself, Angie, I'm going to learn everything there is about hot tubs. And I'm telling you, I learned every manufacturer. I learned every option, every feature, every brand, every warranty. My business partners would walk in after a long day and I literally shout out to them as they walked in. Tell, ask me any question. Go ahead. Ask me any question about hot tub. Name a brand. Go ahead. I'll tell you all about them. <laughs> and so, I mean, probably within 30 days, I knew more about hot tubs than 99.9% of the world. Nobody ever knew more about hot tubs than me after that point. I was like a walking hot tub encyclopedia, right? I wasn't planning on being a pool guy the rest of my life. That wasn't in the cards at the still. This was still before I'd gotten asked to be a partner. I was just working there until I figured out where I was going to do with my life. But yet I got pissed and I said, nobody's ever going to learn this thing like me. And that's why I became a partner in the business because my partner said, 
this dude's a baller. And if he's going to learn that, what's he going to do with the rest of the stuff over the next, you know, whatever time period we're in business? And that, that passion for learning, that never ceased. Uh, that never stopped, right? And so I would ask, if you're listening to this right now, have you approached your job that way? I wouldn't, I wouldn't love in the job. But have you approached your job that way? If you haven't, you might need to look in the mirror. Uh, there's a little two-term thing that's been happening. We're getting, we're dancing around called quiet quitting that I might get on a, <laughs> I'm really resisting the urge to get on a soapbox around. But for, in a way, what you're talking about is exactly the counter activity to this idea that people are just dialing it in and you're, and, and becoming disengaged. And if that if you are in that type of work situation, you need to change something. That change may be just as much internal as it is as external. And to go back to what we were saying a few minutes ago, I think people just seek a new position because they want ex- they want an external factor to make them happy versus figuring out what your worth and value and internal happiness is. And then you can figure out how to be satisfied and almost almost within reason any situation, we just often don't take have the patience to go through the conditioning it takes to get to that point because we tend to want things to be easier than they usually are in the world. I was having a conversation not long ago with a publicly traded tech company that everybody probably knows. And I was talking to one of their OG employees, uh, leadership team members, okay? And uh, I asked this lady, I said, um, a lot of people have come and gone since you've been here. You're an OG. I mean, you've seen hundreds come and go. Of the hundreds that have come and gone that you knew, how many would you say today are happier because they left? In other words, they would say, yeah, 100%, I'm really, really glad that I left because I just completely found my thing myself over here. She said, mm, yeah, probably 10 to 20% would say it was worth it. It's very it's low. very low. And that's because we have tried to convince ourselves that the job is what makes us happy when so often it's what we're bringing to the job that makes us happy. And so there's no question there's cases where you might be working for a dope and that person's always going to be a dope. Leave the dope. I get it. Okay. Leave. So I'm not, you know, it's funny on LinkedIn. If you want to create a post that goes viral, talk bad about bosses or management. If you want to create a post that gets crickets, Talk about how employees need to step up their game. That's just that's just how it works. So the things that I'm saying right now are not popular, right? They're not gonna they're not gonna go viral, but they're gonna change people's lives because they won't be looking for extrinsic factors. So again, I stress there's times when you should leave a company, there's times when it's not a fit, there's times when you will find yourself because you 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 moved away and you got on a different path. But more often than that, we've got to fix some internal things, right? We've got to change our perspective, which is uh, the biggest one there. We've got to understand that you can find joy wherever you are. It is a decision to make. 
um, for ourselves. Yes, it yes, is. It's a choice. That's so nail on the head. And this is really interesting. This has been a recurring theme on No More Mondays recently, is this idea of intrinsic happiness versus external validation. Uh, a lot of that comes back to knowing, we find, is kind of knowing core values so that you can seek out places that will align as best as possible, knowing no employer is ever perfect, but you can find a way to make progress and advance yourself inside of almost any situation if you choose to. Well, that's that's how life works. You know, it's 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 like the person that says, you know, living in Montana is totally boring. Well, actually you're boring. And you're you're leading a boring lifestyle. Because there are a lot of people that think Montana's friggin' dope. I mean they love it. And they, they, they find like their paradise in Montana. So it's not the problem it's not the problem. Montana is not the issue here, right? And I'm sure there's lots of names for for what we're talking about right now, Angie. And I'm all about you know personal growth, but I think personal growth and and fulfillment and joy starts with a, just an incredibly keen self awareness, being able to look in the mirror and and see it for what it is and call the thing for what it is. You know, I never looked in the mirror and said I'm a pool guy. I looked in the mirror and I said, I'm growing a business. Isn't this neat? This is really, really cool. I got, I got a shot here. Yep. Right? And so it's my hope that, that your listeners have that same mentality. And you also never listened to that family member who said, oh, that's a shame. <laughs> that You're just guy? a pool guy. <laughs> Bet that person's eating their, eating their words now. Hope they're not listening. Uh I also love that you used Montana as an example because we live in the nearby state of Colorado where a lot of people are like, why do you live in the middle of nowhere? I live in the middle of nowhere because I want to ski 40 to 50 days a year without going on my seven days of vacation to do it. And when I lived back east in Boston, it wasn't hitting the mark. And so I chose to kind of take a risk and do something that I knew was going to push me forward. Yeah, I made a lot of freaking mistakes over the last 15 years in that decision, left an engineering career that... Uh, most people would say, oh, you'd be so successful now, but I wouldn't have had the experiences that I do now that allow me to be having this conversation with Marcus and so many kind of shared. I, I knew that you were like a content king, but who knew you were like a personal development king and you share so many amazing perspectives. I didn't pay him to say these things, everybody. This is the kind of stuff no, that comes I mean, out we didn't of these talk experiences. About this, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And this this is from, for me, 22 years of owning businesses, starting companies, um, having teams, growing teams, watching people succeed, watching them fail, um, you know, watching them thrive, watching them flounder. These are the patterns. And I've also learned in business that we should never let personal opinions screw up smart decisions. And it's really, really easy to do very easy to do. And there's a million examples that I could give you. But, you know, in the marketing world, it's like, my opinions don't matter. What is the marketplace telling me? When it comes to the personal development or the self-fulfillment world or whatever you want to call it world, it's like, once again, I can look at the patterns and just call them for what they are. So it doesn't matter if I say, well, you know, really it should be this way. It's it's the employer's job to make sure everybody's happy. And if everybody's not happy, it's on the employer. It's just not true. <laughs> That's not true. 
It is a two-way street. 100% it is a two-way street. Now, certainly there's improvements to be made by employers, myself included, all over the world. 100% have flaws. But otherwise, they wouldn't be human. And in fact, if it was paradise, you'd stop appreciating it anyway. And you'd go somewhere that was all screwed up just so you could feel alive again. That's reality. I mean, you don't want to live in the Garden of Eden. You want to be out in the real world where it's just like messy and clunky and you're in a dog fight. You don't know what to expect. Like, that's that's what you want. That's what you want. So, yeah, I could talk about this all day. Go seek out the dog fight, everybody. You feel alive. I love it. I say all the time there is no better exploration into self-discovery than entrepreneurship. And this is exactly why. What Marcus and I are talking about is exactly why. Because it is hard. You have to overcome, make bad, make bad decisions, make good decisions. And every single time you do, the next decision becomes a little bit easier. So your tolerance for hard things goes up and up and up. And that bleeds over into life as well. <laughs> and that's what's sad to me, too, is sometimes we don't we don't see how these these lessons transcend business into our, our personal lives. You know, I became, over the course of time, obsessed with communication. I teach a lot about communication these days. My next book is all about how to have transformative conversations and be a transformative communicator with your, uh, with your team. And everything that I've learned in this arena of communication, I apply it to my own home. I apply it to my, with my four kids, right? You know, these are, because principles are principles, wherever you take them, you know, truth is truth. That's what's cool about it. And that's how you also know you're on the right track, right? You know, I, I, for example, if you look at sales and marketing, most important principle of sales and marketing, trust. It's not even close, it's trust. And the reason why it's the most important principle, and the re, well, let me say this, the reason why you know it's a principle is because if I said, when did trust start? You don't have an answer because it's always been. Trust has always been. So if something has always been, it always will be. So business will always be based on trust. That's how it works. That's That will always be true. Now, what's going to change is platforms, is technology, AI, all this stuff, internet. It's all going to change. But you have to take the principle to the next thing. You do that, you're going to be okay. You're going to be fine. You do that with your life, you're going to be fine. You're going to continue to evolve, taking those principles with you. I'm a, you, you, you said something that kind of overlaps with one of my other perspectives, which is I think we try to really compartmentalize life and work when they're mm -hmm. just so intertwined. We spend more time working than we do sleeping. And I think the problem or the challenge that we face is that we oftentimes figure out how to have life in the time that work leaves over instead of figuring out what we want out of life and letting career support and enhance that so that it can be this happy little ecosystem instead of these two just th necessary evils that are butting heads. And uh, to me, that's exactly what, what yeah, you, you know, just described. I, uh, about a year ago, I said, man, I just love fishing. It's just, I just freaking love it. So how can I how can I create a journey that I'll never forget with fishing? I was like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start an off, and my favorite show is Wicked Tuna on TV. 
right? I love freaking Wicked Tuna. You're a Boston girl, so you've seen Wicked Tuna. So I'm I, also uh, a fly fisher woman, so you just appeal yeah, to my there senses. You go. So I, you know, I was watching this show for, for I don't know, eight years. I said, I want to do that. So I started this company uh, called Speechless Sport Fishing, and uh, I've got a YouTube channel today called Saltwater Fishing University. I've had it for about a year now, and um, I've got a captain who runs the boat, and and we have these charters, and this channel has been so fun to produce. And you know, today I know all the guys on Wikituna. I know all of them. Fish with them. You know, we're at the dock, we're talking, and you know, a couple of years ago I'm watching these guys on TV saying, "Man, I wish I was doing that." I'm like, why can't I do it? Sure, I can do it. Right. So I created a business around it. And that business is going to be my next thing, which brings me to 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 uh, a little point here that I think you would appreciate, Angie, and your listeners. It was probably in my late 20s and I was listening to something. And this guy talked about how it was his goal to have a new career every 10 years, every 10 years. And I thought, isn't that interesting? He said, so by the time I'm 80, my plan is to have at least six full-blown careers that I've been able to enjoy. I'm like, huh, that's fascinating. So how it worked for me is when I was in my 20s, I was a pool guy, and I grew that career. And when I was in my 30s, I became a professional speaker with my agency. Now in my 40s, I'm going to be that saltwater fishing guy and I'm going to blow up that channel. I'm going to blow up that community and it's going to be huge. Eventually in seven years, I bet I'll have a million subscribers and it'll be a really neat story. I'm going to live, I'm just like live the crap out of that. Right. And then when I start to hit my mid fifties, I'm going to do something else. Right. And that's how it's gone for me. That's how it's been for me. 25 to 35, 35 to 45, 45, 45 today. So that mindset has opened me up to, to what is possible. And I kept the previous businesses, right? I've just kept them. And I have great people, and they, they run them. And this is such a great life. People talk about, I'm living my best life. Okay, sometimes I think that's a, a phrase that we screw up, you know? But, or put a little too much weight into. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, really, <laughs> how do you find your best? Because your best life means that you've gone through a, a lot of growth, which means you have to experience pain. I mean, that's, that's how it works. You know, it's like, it's really fun and it's challenging this new business. It's kicking me in my teeth in a lot of different ways. But at the same time, it's forcing new growth. It's very stimulating. I, I have a worthy cause. I get up, I'm fired up. I'm like, I got to figure this thing out. This is kicking my butt. That's your best life, in my opinion. If I was just fishing every day because I have the money to do that, well, that's not my best life. That's not exhilarating to me. That's cool, but I want to create a journey, a story. That's what I do. I create stories. They're really, really fun. You can probably tell. I like to tell stories. Like, this is my jam. I'm looking for stories. And the only way I can tell stories is if I've lived really cool moments that merit storytelling. And so I'm doing that now with this next business. I can't wait. I'm going to talk to you in 10 years, Angie. And... Be like, what are you doing now, Mark? It's going to be some crazy career. I have no idea what it's going to be. I'm going to keep the other ones, though. I'm going to keep going. Well, uh, uh, I'll put a date in my calendar, and I am excited to the see. The episode 1000. This is funny because one of the things I was going to ask you is, what's next? 
yeah, it'll be episode 1000. Uh, I was like, what's next for, for Marcus Sheridan? And here you go. But I'm pretty sure that I have to um, throw down the challenge that you're, uh, we're going to scale your tuna fishing down and have you come out here to Colorado and fish with us on like six weight rods and five X line for little fish that are like three pounds. Yeah. I've watched a river runs through it. I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle that mess. You know, I don't, I don't know. We'll see. Is, yeah. As soon as you said fishing, my ears uh, have perked up, but I have not gone saltwater fishing. So there you go. Well, we're gonna have to make it happen. Exactly. Uh, this is a perfect time. How does every to, to ask you, like, how do we follow along with you as you build number three yeah. and, and, and watch out for whatever comes next? How do people follow along with you uh, and get your resources and just tune in with your this this journey that's inspiring beyond sales and marketing? Well, the best place to find me, follow me, and get my latest stuff is far and away on LinkedIn. I'm a really, really good follow on LinkedIn. Um, I usually post five to six times a week. Those are my most original real-time thoughts. And uh, they're all mine. Any comment I have, anything, that's all me. It's not some... By the way, whoever does that... I mean, that's the biggest schmuck move ever is somebody doing your own social posts and acting <laughs> uh, like it's you. That's so uh, lame. Especially on, especially on LinkedIn. Oh, gosh. That's so especially lame. Especially on LinkedIn. So yeah. Yeah. Go follow Marcus. He and I are connected. We will fill up your news feed with good quality, authentic, <laughs> genuine Word. thoughts. Word. Yes, yeah, so that's really the best place. But you can also email me if you're listening to this right now and you got a question just about anything. It's Marcus at MarcusSheridan.com. Make sure you get the book they ask you answer on Amazon um, because it'll change your life if you apply it. I promise. It will. We uh, we have two copies and are slowly implementing it <laughs> because it was like, hey, we can do this. And um, like I said, I have opinions about everything. So why wouldn't I make a video That's about right. them all? Put That's them exactly on my, web- right. my website. Uh, do you have a target de- date for the new uh, communications book to come out? Um, it's probably going to come out at the end of this year, beginning of next year. A little bit depends on the publisher and a few things, but I think it'll be the most important book I ever write. I think it could be a book that people are reading in a hundred years. That's my goal to write a book that people are still reading in a hundred years. And how about that for leaving an impact? Oh, Mm. I'm so proud of myself for bringing that one full circle. (laughs) Solid. Woo. All right, Marcus. So let's uh, close it out with one more piece of advice because this has been This is about the most incredible 100th episode I could ask for. So thank you Mm -hmm. for supporting. Let's give everybody else a piece of one last piece of inspiration. Uh, You know, what do you do to combat the Sunday scaries and embrace a concept of no more Mondays? I uh, I actually I get pretty fired up about Mondays. I really do. But I, I think it comes comes out from everything we've we've talked about today. I don't I don't see anything as the thing right it's not the marketing agency it's it's like i have this chance to be the best version of myself what i know i'm going to be is at my core i'm a teacher that's what i'm supposed to do that's what i've been called to do and i have that opportunity to do it when i was a pool guy i was teaching there and it was a lot of fun and i was able to grow so i'm a teacher i'm a farmer basically those two things and so today with you, Angie, I'm, I'm able to teach. This is something that's very exhilarating for me. I can look forward to it. And so I get excited about the acts of what I'm able to do each, each week. I don't get caught up in the minutia of the thing. I don't get caught up in the titles. 
I get caught up in the worthy cause that I have. And my worthy cause is I'm a teacher. I'm a farmer. That's what I do. I do it well. And because of that, I lead a very fulfilled life. Know your calling, everybody. Know your purpose. Know your mission. Know your why. Whichever word you want to associate with it, this has also been a recurring theme here. If you can tap into the calling and the gifts that you were given and the unique way you were supposed to use them to serve others, it never feels like a Monday. There you have it, everybody. Marcus Sheridan, thank you so much for being on No More Mondays, celebrating our 100th episode with us and providing so much good insight, not only just into some high level sales and marketing, but just into how to create a life and a work situation that is healthy in all facets, right? Patience, set realistic expectations and see things through. Thank you for all of your wisdom today. My pleasure. There you have it, everybody. That is a wrap on episode 100 of No More Mondays. I so appreciate you listening. I'm so grateful that Marcus Sheridan was here to celebrate this milestone with us and provide amazing advice on how to just inch yourself forward in life and in career. I hope all of you will hop over to wherever you subscribe to your podcast and leave us a five-star rating because we had Marcus Sheridan, everybody. And the more ratings you give us, the more big guests we can bring you as we go into a new season of No More Mondays with bigger guests and bigger impact, starting with the guy who founded the company called Impact. There you all have it. If you would like to uh, leave us comments, feedback, or grab the show notes and links from today's episode, please visit us online at nomoremondays.info, and I will see you next week for episode 101. Thanks for joining us for another episode of No More Mondays. Tune in next week as we bring you more insights and actions to help you improve your life and career. Don't forget, visit us online at nomoremondays.info to get all the details, show notes, and recommendation from this episode. No More Mondays. We drop new episodes every Wednesday. No More Mondays is brought to you by CareerBenders, Inc. in partnership with executive producer Jane Durkee. For more information about career coaching, resume writing, personal branding, recruiting, and entrepreneurship coaching services, visit us online at careerbenders.com. <laughs>